If everyone will please be seated, we're ready to start. Good morning. Good to see each and every one here this morning. Let's start by singing this beautiful hymn of the faith, which personally I love very much. Might be one of my all-time favorites. It is. Maybe my all-time favorite. Trust and obey. It says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his goodwill, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Yes, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah. 
blessing to trust him and to obey him every day of our lives. We welcome you to the San Ramon Valley Bible Church for our main service this morning. In a few minutes, we'll have a message from the Word. And prior to that, Gloria has a beautiful solo for us. But before we continue with the meeting, we'll ask our brother Matt Hugan to come up and open in a word of prayer. Good morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you, Father. We're just blessed to be here this morning, Lord, and what a privilege and an honor it is to serve you, Father. And Lord, as the song said, to trust and obey. Help us just to live that way, Lord, each and every day, Lord, just to live in your joy and in your light. We just pray, Father, that you would bless the message to come from our brother Dean, Lord. We pray for the song from Glory as well, that it just be a blessing as it always is, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would just open our hearts and minds this morning to bless us with your word and that um, uh, we would just grow in you, Lord, to be more like you. We pray for uh, anyone here, Lord, that doesn't yet know you, that their heart would be touched this morning, Lord, that they would give their lives to you, Father, that they would then walk and trust and obey, Lord, and just experience you, Lord, growing in you, Lord, in your love. We thank you, Father God. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, choir resumes. And you know the choir really works very hard throughout the year. We have a little break here or there, but it's a, it's a big ministry. It's an important ministry, and the Lord uses it to soften many, many hearts. Many people are touched by the music, and it prepares for messages to come after the music, and it's just such a blessing. And we have an adult choir. We have a children's choir. We have a youth choir. We have a gospel touch, we have worship team, we have a lot of music in our church, and we're thankful for that because music is a theme of praise for all eternity. We'll be praising God with music, so it's going to be a blessing. So tomorrow night, choir, please come, bring your choir books with you, get ready to learn Easter songs as we gather together tomorrow at 6, and then at 7.30 there'll be the women's Bible study and men's prayer meetings here at the church. On Wednesday, the worship team practice will move to 5 o'clock because choir will be at 6, and then at 7.30 we'll have our Bible study in Ephesians chapter 5. And the Thursday women's study will be at 10 o'clock in the morning, and the Friday groups will take place as well. Next Sunday morning, our speaker will be our dear brother Bill Murray. Praise God, he's back feeling better. His back is better, and he's here today. We thank the Lord for him. He'll be bringing the message, and then Adel will bring the message on the last Sunday of the month. Also, don't forget on your calendar for the 16th, which is Wednesday night, we're going to have January 16th, which is actually coming up this week. I just realized that the month goes so fast that we have to backtrack a little bit. So on Wednesday, instead of our um, Bible study, we're going to have our video night and dessert night this Wednesday night. It is the 16th. And then our men's dinner will be on Monday night, the 21st. So we look forward to that. We have a thank you card to read from the Dahl family on behalf of Sherry. And they write, it says, Blessed are the givers and grateful are the receivers. We can all say amen to that. It says, Thanks so much to our family in Christ. What a blessing it is to have such a loving and caring family in Christ. There is a verse in Galatians that says, carry one another's burdens. Thank you for so lovingly doing that 
For Brad and I, during my surgery and recovery, the meals, cards, gifts, flowers, and most of all, your love and prayers have meant so much to Brad and I. And we are so thankful for everything. What a wonderful testimony of God's love and faithfulness. May the Lord bless you abundantly, all our love in Christ, Brad and Sherry. Well, we love you very much. We're praying for you, for the Lord to give you strength and help you through. And we look forward to that. At this time now, we're going to have Gloria, who's going to perform a solo for us. She's going to play the solo. But if you have the red book and you'd like to follow along, it's number 564. 564 is the one that she's going to do. And the title of this song is Bless This House. All of us have houses. All of us are members of families. And it's a special blessing when the Lord is the center of that home, when he's the Lord of that home, the master of that home. And we invite him to have first place in our lives. So if you'd like to follow along, you can. 564, Gloria is going to play for us, Bless This House.
That is a beautiful song. Didn't it have a beautiful melody? And the words, bless this house and all those in it. That's a tremendous prayer. And we should pray for one another as families, as individuals. And we're thankful for Gloria that has the gift of being able to play the piano like that. It is such a great blessing. Before we begin this morning, shall we once again just look to the Lord in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this beautiful hymn. We thank you for all the Christian homes that are represented by all the families here. We thank you for the single people, Lord. We thank you for the couples. We thank you for the couples with children. We thank you for those even who are shut-ins and can't make it to church. We pray for them too, Lord. And we thank you for all the household. And Lord, we just pray that every day of our lives, we would ask your help your comfort, your blessing, your guidance, your wisdom, and everything that we do. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, may you speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Lord. Please hide me behind the cross and just pray that the word spoken would be your words today and that we would hear your voice and that our lives would be radically changed and impacted by your word. And we pray that we won't live, live mediocre Christian lives, Lord, but we will live dynamic Christian lives. And we just pray now your blessing and help in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, so many times in life, and I'm like this myself, and I think many of us are, we, we try too hard. We try to figure things out ourselves. We try to figure our own solutions. We try to come up with our own plans to do things. And it gets us into more trouble than anything else. Because God's plans... God's ways, his will, is always best for us. But when we're always trying to figure it out ourselves, that's what gets us into trouble. We fall, we have many problems, and then eventually come, we come around to realize that we can't do it, we can't figure it out, we don't have the solution, the answer to it. And the Lord says, if you just ask me, if you just come to me and trust me, if you just obey me, I will bless your life so much, I'll pour into your life. I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you won't even be able to contain. And yet we're content to kind of go out to the ocean with these little tiny cups, these little, like the breaking of bread cups, right? We got this little tiny cup, and the Lord wants to give us a huge blessing, but our cup is too small. Our cup is too small. We're asking too little. We're not trusting him enough, and he wants us to be giving him everything, and he wants to be involved in our lives from the little things to the big things, and that's what I really appreciate about our Lord, how much he loves us, just to simply trust him and obey him. That hymn is so simple and yet so powerful that that's the key to our lives is trust and obey because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. When we obey God and trust him with everything in our lives, we're going to be happier, we're going to be more fulfilled, more satisfied in life, and we're going to have more peace in our lives because we've given everything over to him. If you ever watch Charles Stanley on Sunday mornings when he comes on or whenever he comes on in your area during the week, you'll notice at the end of his sermon, every time, every time at the end of his sermon when he's completely done, he's talking to the people, he says, he says this. He says, remember, obey God and leave all the consequences to him. I love that because it's so true. If we obey God, we can leave all the consequences to him. Because when we stand for the Lord and we obey him and we put him first, 
he is going to bless us. You can leave the consequences to him because he's going he's to take control of the situation. The title of our message today is three, three simple words, just obey God. Just obey God. You know, Nike has that phrase, just do it, three words that have become famous in the athletic world and throughout all of society, just do it. Well, the Christian's motto should be, just obey God. You can summarize the Christian life and bring it down to its simple component. It's simple, it's uncomplicated, it's unpretentious just to, to trust in God. And that's a great goal to have for this year. I was homesick the other day and I was reading through the Gospel of Matthew and I was so struck and so blessed as never before by the life of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. He comes on the scene. He's not shown up for very long. You see it there in Gospel of Matthew. He's in chapter 1. He's in chapter 2. And then all of a sudden after chapter 2, you don't hear of Joseph anymore. But God raised him up to have a faith and to obey him and to have such a part of the early uh, birth and life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's such a blessing for us to follow his example of being obedient even when it's difficult, even when things don't make sense, even when, things, when people are saying you should not do that. If God gives us something and he tells us to do it, we should do it. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And his example is really, to me, huge. His obedience, it's legendary because of what he did. And may it help us and inspire us to be examples of obedience to others around us in our lives today. We're going to look at three things about Joseph and his obedience. Number one, he obeyed the Lord willingly. He obeyed willingly. Secondly, he obeyed the Lord immediately. And third, he obeyed the Lord completely. So it's simple, but that's what the Lord wants us to do on a daily basis. Obey him willingly. Obey him immediately. Don't procrastinate. Put it off. But do it immediately and do it completely. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it halfway. Don't do it with half of yourself. Put yourself into it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. So I want to read some verses from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll start at chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. What I want you to do this morning is what I was trying to do myself as I was studying this passage and meditating upon it. We oftentimes say, put yourself in the other person's shoes, right? Well, back in the days of the Bible, they didn't have these nice dress shoes and high heels and shoes like we wear, right? They wore sandals. So let's put ourselves in Joseph's sandals. How would we have felt going through this situation where the angel appears to us and speaks these amazing, fabulous, fantastic words to him? Verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, here's the key. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And then over to chapter, uh, switching over to uh, verse 24, then, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and she and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And then over in chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. This is the second time now that the angel appears to him. And it says, When they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And then down to verses 19 to 23. Now the third time the Lord appears to him. Verse 19, And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who have sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when they heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Three times the angel appeared to Joseph. Three times the word of God was revealed to him. The will of God was revealed to him. And three times he obeyed God. And because of that, his example of obedience affected not just a couple people, not just a few, but the whole world is affected by his obedience. You know, when you're obedient to God, when I'm obedient to God, that has a big impression on other people around us, in our families, at work, in our neighborhoods. People see it. If we're really walking with the Lord and obeying him in all things, they see it. Consequently, if we're disobedient to God, they pick up on that too and believe they'll pick up. Believe me, they'll pick up on it real quick. They'll see if we're disobedient. They'll see if we're not talking the right talk, that we're walking the right walk. They're going to notice it. So we have a huge, huge responsibility every day to be examples of obedience, to let our light shine before others, that they will see it and be affected by it. Joseph didn't turn away from the responsibility. He embraced it. He embraced it, and he was obedient to the Lord. And he was effective. Well, let's look. First of all, he obeyed willingly. Now, in this passage, in, this passage in, in chapter 1 and also in chapter 2, there are certain things that are conspicuously missing in that passage. And some of the things that are missing really indicate how willing he was. You notice in the story, he didn't question the Lord, did he? He didn't question it. Lord, she's pregnant. It's not from me. Lord, something's wrong here. What, what you're asking me to do? He didn't question it. He didn't have a debate with the Lord. He didn't 
complain. He didn't say, why do I have to do this? He did it willingly. He obeyed willingly. He, did it. he counted the cost. He knew what was involved, and he did it. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Unlike our friend Moses, who I love very much in the Old Testament, when the Lord told him, I've got a, an assignment for you, I want you to obey me and go into Egypt and be the deliverer of the people of Israel. Oh, Lord, I, I'm not eloquent. I'm not good at this, Lord. I'm not a good speaker. And suppose Pharaoh won't listen to me. And suppose the people don't believe in me. And he had one thing after another, one excuse after another. When God asks us to do things, we shouldn't be coming up with excuses. We shouldn't be coming up with reasons why we can't do it, but we should just do it. Just obey him. That's what he wants us to do. It's as simple as that. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 2.13, do all things without complaining and disputing. You know, so many times you don't like to be around people, and I know I don't like to be around people that complain all the time. There's always, it's either too hot, too cold, the bed is too soft or too hard. It's, it's too sunny or not sunny enough. Or we've got too much rain or we need more rain. And it, Some people are never content and satisfied in life. But as obedient Christians, we accept what God brings into our life. We obey him no matter what the cost, no matter what the price. We are obedient to him. And that's what he wants us to do. But think about it. Put yourself in his sandals. Think. This is going to be embarrassing. This is going to be hard. What am I going to do? See, he was thinking already in his mind. He had a plan what he was going to do. He's going to put her away secretly as not to shame her because he loved Mary and he loved God. And he was having trouble reconciling those two things. And that's why he was going to put her away secretly. But it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him that night and says, don't be afraid to take Mary your wife. This is God's will. What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The Messiah is in her womb. This is going to change the world. He's going to be born and you're going to call his name Jesus and he's going to save his people from their sins. He's a special boy. He's a, he's a special child. And when Joseph heard that, he obeyed. He obeyed. He knew too much was at stake here. Too much was involved here. I can't disobey God. It's on me. It's, he's counting on me. And he's counting on you and he's counting on me as Christians to carry the testimony of Christ and to live an obedient life and to be a blessing to others. Others can't do it for us. We have to stand for Christ and live for him in this world. But it was a tough situation. He was a godly Jew. What's he going to do? But God's plan overrules every other plan. Amen. I like what they, with Brother Louie, Brother Louis Giglio has been in the news this week. They were going to have him come and give the inauguration. He was going to give the prayer at the president's inauguration. Well, they found out one of his sermons for about 10 years ago that he was talking about homosexuals and he was talking about it being a sin. And, and I'm thinking, that's what it is. It is a sin. He was speaking the truth. But they brought it up and so he withdrew his name from the consideration to, to give, give the prayer. But it just reminds us, we're living in the world of sin. We're living in an evil, sinful world. And we as Christians need to stand up. And we have to come out of her, my people, as the scripture says, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. That was our memory verse this week. We have to come out of the world and be different. We have to obey God, even if it means that we don't get elevated in the eyes of the world. We don't get promoted in the eyes of the world. If we stand for the Lord, we can leave all the consequences to him. He'll bless our lives. He'll take care of us. He'll 
see us through. But Joseph had his own plan, but when put up against God's plan, he took his plan and tore it up and threw it away because God's plan was so much better. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 really shows the difference when you put it on the scale between God's plans and our plans, God's thoughts and our thoughts. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so higher are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He knows best. When God asks us to do something, we don't need to question it or doubt it or come up with another plan or say, can we amend this a little bit? You know, in the Constitution, we have all these amendments and then they want to change it. There's a two-thirds majority needed to change the Constitution and so forth. But we don't change God's will. There's no need for an amendment. There's no need for a change. It, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we abide in Him and put our trust in Him, his ways always better than ours. And I really like the words of the Lord Jesus when he was in the upper room with his disciples and he was giving them some few last thoughts and words before he was going to be crucified and then rose from the dead and go back to heaven. And he said these words. And I can imagine he was looking out at his audience of those disciples at that point. And Judas, of course, had left to go betray him, but there were the other 11 there and they were sitting there and Jesus, I'm sure, looked them right in the eye and he didn't look at them with any meanness or anger or anything. He looked at them with great love and he looked them square in the eyes and says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, or it can be translated, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's why we obey the Lord, because we love him. After all he did for us, he went to that cross. He died for us. He experienced pain and humiliation and suffering and agony on the cross to save you and to save me. Shall we not give our lives fully to him and obey him in all things? It shows our love to him when we obey him, and it's a blessing in our lives. Obedience is a choice we make. It's a choice we make, and we have to make that choice every day. Can you imagine if Joseph says, I'm sorry, Lord, I can't do it. It's too much. What are my neighbors going to think? What are my friends going to think? What are the fa is the family going to think? What's going to happen? They're not going to understand this situation at all. But he didn't say that. He could have said, Lord, I'm out of here. Can't do it. Sorry. It's too much. But he didn't. And he didn't say like Moses, get somebody else to do it. Remember when Moses was saying that, he said, get somebody else, Lord. Send somebody else to do this mission. No, the Lord says, you're the one I want to do it. And that's what Joseph did. He took up that responsibility. He says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. He knew it was going to be tough. It was going to be hard in everything that God asked him to do, but he did it. He combined obedience with faith, obedience with trust, and obedience with love. And he loved Mary, and he loved God, and he stepped out in faith not knowing all the things that are going to happen. And he did God's perfect will. And we have the story now in the scriptures because he was obedient. How different the story could have been if he didn't step up to the plate and be obedient. God could have brought the plan through another person, through another vessel. He always does. But we end up being the losers because we could have had the blessing if we would have obeyed God. If we would have done it. But 
he wants us to take that responsibility. No turning back. Remember when Louis gave that message and he had the little kiddie pool, I like that, and he says, you have to be all in, all in. And it's not a kiddie pool, it's a big, huge ocean, and we have to be all in for, for Christ. And when I thought about that, I thought Joseph was all in. He was all in. He says, I don't care what they think. I don't care what anybody says. God told me to do this, and I'm going to do it. And when the time came to name the baby, he didn't say, well, let's call him Joseph Jr. No. <laughs> let's name him Jacob after my father, which would, nope, didn't say that. His name is Jesus. Amen. His name is Jesus. And that name must have been the sweetest name he ever heard. And it's the sweetest name we've ever heard as well. But wow, what a faith he had. It, it took grace to do it, but he was obedient all along the way. First dream, second dream, third dream. Each time the angel spoke to him, Joseph did it. Fantastic obedience and faith. But think with me this morning of some of the people that God asked to do some difficult things in the Bible and try to put yourself in their experience of what it would have been like. Now here's a difficult thing. Here's Abraham, the leader of his family. He's become wealthy in his family. He was the leader. He was the oldest. He was going to receive all the blessings there. He was, he was in charge of that whole family. And God says, Moses, uh, Abraham, come on, follow me. Leave your father's house. Leave your home country. Leave it all behind and come out to a land that I will show you of. He didn't even tell you what the land's going to be or what it's going to be like. He just says, obey me and trust me and I will have the best thing for you. But that was a difficult thing to do, and he did it. And look how God blessed him. And then you think, well, he passed that test, Lord. That was really good. But what about the test of offering up his son? Can you imagine? God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham. He, says, take, he said, take your son, whom you love, up to the Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. That was the hardest thing. I think the hardest thing in the Bible that God ever asked any man or any woman to do. And you know what? He did it willingly. He did it willingly and he did it immediately and he did it completely and he got up early in the morning and he rose and he went off and God spared him from killing his son because he says, now I know that you fear God. Now I know, Abraham, that I put you on the spot, I put you to the test, and your obedience held up. It came through, and what a blessing it was. But that was a tough assignment. How would you like that assignment, fathers? Your only son, the son you love. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. But when God asks us to do things, he gives the grace to do it. Abraham did it. How about Noah? God asked him to build an ark, build a boat. Lord... Build a boat. Build an ark. Where? In the middle of the desert. How long? 120 years of building that ark for 120 years. People laughing at him because they had not even had rain at that point on the earth. It says a mist used to rise up from the earth and water the earth. They didn't even have rain. And you're telling us a flood is coming? And judgment is coming? Yes. But that was a tough assignment for Noah and his sons. And they built that ark for 120 years. Here's another tough one. Hosea the prophet was told by God to marry a prostitute by the name of Gomer to illustrate 
Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Now, how would you like that, gentlemen? God appears to you and asks you to do something like that. Sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't understand, don't necessarily make sense, but is His perfect will for us, and we do it. When God says it, we do it, and it always turns out for the best. But that was a tough assignment. How about the prophet Ezekiel? I know Sylvia has spoken on, on this sub, these subjects before too, and she's smiling back there. But here was an assignment that God gave Ezekiel. You're going to lie down on the ground, and you're going to lie on your side, on your left side, for 390 days. 390 days? That's over a year. 390 days to bear the iniquity of Israel. 390 days. And then when he probably thought, well, that's over, he says, now wait a minute, turn over now on the right side and you're going to lay down for 40 more days for the iniquity of the people of Judah. Now that was another hard thing that the God asked. But when God asks a hard thing, he gives the grace to do it and he gives us the joy to do it and he gives us the willingness to do it and it's always according to his plan. The question is, are we willing? Are we willing to obey him? Are we willing to do it no matter the cost? Secondly, we see that Joseph obeyed immediately. Immediately. He had that get up and go mentality. He didn't wait. It says in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. I can imagine. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have smart, smartphones, tablets, uh, computers. They didn't have ways to communicate quickly. Because I think if he was living in our generation, he'd have got out his cell phone right away and called Mary and says, come on, Mary, let's get married. Let's do it. Let's consummate this now because God is in it. And he did it right away. He got up from his sleep and he took Mary to be his wife. He didn't procrastinate it whatsoever. In verse 14 of chapter 2, it says, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, because the Lord warned him that Herod was going to kill all the baby boys. He's going to look to kill the young child, Jesus, and so you have to do it. And it says he went by night. He didn't say, well, let's get a good night's sleep tonight. We'll get up in the morning, have a good breakfast, uh, get on the road when the first daylight comes. He says, we're going tonight. This is important, this is strategic, this is critical. We have to get Jesus out of this area and get him to Egypt. And we see the result. As soon, they had gotten safely to Egypt and then Herod, as evil and wicked as he was, he started killing all those little baby boys around Bethlehem, two years and, old and younger. He killed quite a few and it was so sad. But the Lord took care of the Savior because it wasn't time for him to die until he went to the cross. And Joseph was obedient, and he was immediately obedient. He didn't wait. He did it right away. And he was a leader in his household, and his obedience set the tone. And I'd like to just speak to, to you this morning as husbands. Obey the Lord. You have a responsibility as husbands. Fathers, to be obedient. Your kids are watching to be obedient, to set the tone, to be a leader. Christian leaders in the church, obey the Lord, be a blessing, and then others will follow. We have a great responsibility. 
When I think of responsibility and obedience to God, one of the first people I think of, honestly, is General George Washington of the Continental Army. He was in charge of this, can we call them, an army of farmers and business people, and they weren't professional soldiers. They were what they call a ragtag army. How did this little band of men, how did this group of farmers and business people and people that put themselves together, how did they defeat the greatest army of the world at that time? How did they do it? They did it by obedience to God, trusting in Him. And when they went out to the battle, George Washington would go out and get down on his knees and pray for God's help. And by his obedience to the Lord and his faithfulness and his trust in the Lord, the battles were won, the war was won, and they won the victory. And I'm so thrilled that he was our first president of the United States. And you oftentimes look at the currency and you wonder, well, shouldn't the most important uh, people, most important presidents, the best presidents we have, shouldn't they be on the higher currencies? Like, you'd think that George Washington should be on like a, a $100 bill instead of on a $1 bill. But the more I think about that, how many ones are in circulation versus the, 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 the others? Washington's out there. He's out there. And how about Lincoln? Lincoln is one of my favorite presidents, too. There's a lot of fives out there, too, and they're on the bills. And I'm thinking, wow, thank you, Lord, when you think of it that way. They were great presidents. They were great men. And we notice in ver chapter 2, in verses 21 to 23, that he, he had action. He was a man of action. He arose. He took the young child and his mother to go to the land of Israel because, first of all, he was told, take Mary as your wife. Then he's told, take her to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. Now he's told, go back to the land of Israel. Each of those things that God asked him to do were going to cause a disturbance in a sense. I mean, can you imagine if you, you take your child and you take your wife and you go there, you get involved in the in the city in, in Egypt that they were, and now you have to come back again. There's a going and a coming. But when God is in it, whether we're going or we're coming, and we're in his will, that's the best thing for it. We never understand it, though, sometimes. But the Lord tells us that obedience is the greatest thing of all. And so he took Jesus back, and then they ended up going back to Galilee and back to Nazareth. And the Lord was directing all of this because it's quoting the Old Testament. Every prophecy was fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. He shall be coming out of... And, and so he called him, out of Egypt I called my son. And all these scriptures are being fulfilled all because Joseph was obedient. And they took God at his word. And what a blessing it was. And then you look in the Old Testament and you see a person like Saul. And God gave him one simple command. Go out to those Amalekites, kill them all, kill all their animals, get rid of all their things. And he didn't obey the Lord fully. It was an incomplete obedience. And because of that, he lost his kingdom. He eventually lost his life. You know, as Christians, we can't just obey partway. We can't just dip our toe in the water. We have to dive in. We have to be all in. We have to be completely obedient. And I like what Samuel said to him. He says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God puts a premium on obedience and he wants us to obey him fully. Someone once says, said this, to know God's will is life's greatest treasure 
To do God's will is life's greatest pleasure. And I really like that. To know God's will is life's greatest treasure. To do God's will is life's greatest pleasure. Okay, for those who like acronyms, and I told Ed I have an acronym in the message today. Ed, see, he's back there smiling. I said, I have an acronym in the message. He says, yeah, I don't have any doubts you do. And I said, yep, I do. Okay, obey. <clears throat> O-B-E-Y. O-B-E-Y is this. Only be extremely yielded. Isn't that a good one? Only be extremely yielded. That's what it is to, to obey God. It's we yield to Him, and we extremely yield because we take our will and we yield it to Him. You know, they put those yellow yield signs off. There's one in Danville off the uh, Diablo Road. One time I got in trouble because, and I think Bill might have been with me this and we were coming off of there, and I didn't yield properly. Because you have to yield. It's not a stop sign. It's a yield sign. And when God puts up the stop sign in our life, stop. When he puts up the go sign, go. When he puts up the yield sign, he wants us to yield to him and let him have his choice, his will in our lives. And that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's about being godly in an ungodly world. One of my favorite Christian characters is Eric Little, who was in the movie Chariots of Fire, the story of, of Eric Little, and later on he went on to become a great missionary. And one of the things Eric Little had to say is, is this. He says, one word stands out from all others as the key to knowing God, to having his peace and assurance in your life. It is obedience. So he, he realized it, and we real, realized it too, and that's what Joseph did. When the Lord spoke to Samuel, uh, he spoke back and he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears in 1 Samuel 3.10. So he obeyed willingly and he obeyed immediately and he obeyed completely. And just quickly, we just reminded of the fact that when you have an obedience to the Lord and you have to obey all the way, fully and completely. I love what it says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 22 about our friend Noah. Noah is famous for the ark, and he'll always be associated with the ark. But to me, not just about the ark, but his obedience to God is, is really amazing. He walked with God, and he honored God. And it says in verse 22 of Genesis 6, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. According to all that God commanded him. He just didn't pick out some things he wanted to do of God's will. He did the whole thing. And that's the way we have to be too. We can't pick and choose or think it's a smorgasbord. Well, I'll take this, Lord, because it's not too hard. And I like this. No, you have to do God's will every day in every way this year. It's a goal that we can have in our lives today. May the Lord help us to be fully obedient to him. So to conclude then this morning, let's remember the Lord wants us to have a willing heart. He wants us to willingly obey him. He wants us to have that attitude of obedience so that when the Lord asks, we will answer. We will do it. The Lord knows he can trust you, Walter. If he asks you to do something, he knows he's going to trust you to do it. That's where the responsibility is on our shoulders. That we don't push it off onto somebody else and says, let somebody else do it. Let the pastor do it. Let... The workers do it. Let somebody else do it. No, God says, I want you to do it. I want you to be obedient. I want you to be willing to do whatever I ask you to do. May the Lord help us to do it immediately and to do it completely. 
And let's remember that little acronym, only be extremely yielded. That's what Joseph did. He was extremely yielded. God said it, he did it, and that was enough for him, and he was in God's will. And before we close in prayer this morning, I want to read a hymn if you want to take out the red book, because it's, a it's not a familiar hymn. I had never even seen it before until yesterday when I found it in the book. It's number 578, and I said, wow, Lord, I've never seen this hymn before, but it's so fantastic. It goes with the message, and it really is a prayer of what God wants us to do as obedient Christians. It's number 578. It's entitled, I'll Go Where You Want Me to Go. And I'm going to read it. It was written by a lady named Mary Brown. She wrote the first stanza, and then a man named Charles Pryor wrote stanzas two and three on this hymn. And it says this, It may not be on the mountain's height or over the stormy sea. It may not be at the battlefront. My Lord will have need of me. But if by a still, small voice he calls to the paths I do not know, I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine, I'll go where you want me to go. Perhaps today there are loving words which Jesus would have me speak. There may be now in the paths of sin some wanderer I should, of whom I should seek. O Savior, if thou wilt be my guide, though dark and rugged the way, my voice shall echo the message sweet. I'll say what you want me to say. There's surely somewhere a lowly place in earth's harvest field so wide where I may labor through life's short day for Jesus the crucified. So trusting my all unto to thy care, I know thou lovest me. I'll do thy will with a heart sincere. I'll be what you want me to be. And here's the chorus. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Isn't that a great hymn? Gloria played it for it. We'll play it sometime. We can all sing it together because it is a fantastic yeah, may the Lord encourage us. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't obey God. It's impossible. It's impossible. But when you come to Him and you realize, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have disobeyed you. My whole life has been apart from you. But I come to you this morning. Please forgive me of my sins. And you believe that Jesus died for your sins. And you invite Him to come into your life as your personal Savior. You can be saved today and have eternal life. And now you can start a life of true obedience to God. Now you can start a life that will be an impact to others. And if we're here today and we know the Lord is our Savior, may it be our challenge this year to be more obedient to the Lord every day in whatever He asks us to do. And saying, Lord, I'll do it. It's not easy. I'll do it. I don't understand it. I'll do it. It's not going to be something that I would choose, but I'm going to do it. And God is in it. And may the Lord help us to be obedient Christians this year. Father, we just thank you for the message today. We pray that you will challenge our hearts to be more obedient, Lord, like Joseph was, with a willing obedience, with an immediate obedience, and with a complete obedience. Lord, help us not to make excuses, but help us to be willing to do whatever you ask us to do. Whether you ask us to go over to the other side of the world, or across the street, or down the block, whatever you want us to do for you, Lord, help us to have a willing spirit, help us to do it immediately and completely, 
And so, Father, we just pray you'll dismiss us with your blessing and help us to be encouraged to live a life of obedience every day. We just pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.